0: I want to stay here as long as God chooses for me to be here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not pushing anybody off the edge today. I'm not pushing you out the door. I want to be here as long as I can for the glory of God. Yeah. You know, life is a good thing when you're living for Jesus. Amen? God has plans that we haven't even seen before. Yeah, He's got some plans in heaven that we can't even imagine. But the Bible says while we're here, we are to occupy... And occupy doesn't just mean to sit around and do nothing and and just wait upon the Lord as just sitting in a chair waiting. No, it means to go out there and live every day for Him, for His glory and for His praise. Amen? Amen. Can you give God a hand clap of praise this morning? (laughs) I'm blessed to have all of you in the house today. I want to start with a funny little joke that I heard about a little boy named Bobby who was sitting on the front porch with his grandpa one day. And Bobby innocently asked his grandpa, Grandpa, do you know how to make any animal sounds? Grandpa kind of smiled and says, I know how to make some animal sounds. What kind of sound would you like to hear? He said, how about a toad, Grandpa? Can you make a a sound of a toad? Grandpa smiled and pulled his hands up to his hands and said, I think I can. And he goes, All of a sudden, Jimmy jumps up, Smile on his face, eyes are real big. He says, yippee, yippee, hooray, we get to go to Miami. Grandpa looks at him and says, what in the world are you talking about? Miami, what's this deal about Miami? He goes, well, Grandpa, Grandma said that as soon as Grandpa croaks, we get to go to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> that has nothing to do with my sermon. I just thought it was a cute little joke. Maybe not for Grandpa, but it was a cute little joke for everyone else. <laughs> today we are actually continuing on with our sermon series covering the twenty-third Psalm. We're going to be looking at the fourth verse in the twenty-third Psalm today. But the twenty-third Psalm, I said all along, is probably one of the most popular scriptures or text in the entire Bible, next to John three sixteen. Um, it's a verse that you will hear and a chapter you will hear read a lot of times at funeral services. But I did say a few weeks ago that the 23rd Psalm is a whole lot more. I mean a whole lot more than just God's comforting words at times of death. I mean this morning we are actually going to look at the shepherd's protection in uh, verse 4. So I want to start out with verse 4. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Think of those words. It says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, for most of us, the question we ask with our American self-centered minds is, Why me? God, why do I have to go through any valleys at all? God, why can't I, when I'm following you, just stay on the mountaintop? God, why can't I stay in the greener pastures and lie down there? Every one of us knows we like to stay in our comfort zones, right? And every one of us knows it's good. It's good. To be having a good day in life. So why does God have to allow trouble? We've all asked that question at different times. Sometimes it's so hard to understand why God would allow trouble for us that are trying to live for Him. But it's a fact He will. He will allow trouble to come. And in answer to that, I think we have to admit a few things about the valleys in life. Because there are valleys in life. The first thing if you're taking notes is they are unavoidable. Do you realize that in humanity, uh, valleys are unavoidable? Whether we like it or not, trouble's going to come. In fact, Jesus, who I think is a pretty reliable source of information, tells us in John 16, 33, in this world you will have trouble. He doesn't say in this world you might have trouble. He doesn't say in this world you'll occasionally have trouble now and then. No, he says, count on it. It's coming. Sometimes Christians, I think we like to think that as soon as we become a Christian, we'll be saved from all the troubles, we'll be saved from all the problems. I think the opposite is true. I think the minute you become a Christian, you actually have more trouble than you did before, and it's because Satan is determined to give you more trouble than ever before to make you fall, to make you stumble. And Jesus lets us face those troubles because there will be troubles to increase our faith, to cause us to grow. But the truth is, bottom line, valleys are unavoidable. For everyone, no matter how close you're walking to God, you're still going to walk through some valleys in this life. The second thing, if you're taking notes, valleys are impartial. Do you realize that? Every one of us, no matter who we are, are going to be walking through some valleys in life. Sometimes we like to throw pity parties, right? Sometimes we have this feeling that nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Nobody knows the sorrows and sorrows i faced. We're singing the blues out there. Uh, thinking that we've got worse troubles than everyone else. Well, let me let you in on a secret. You don't. We don't have worse troubles than everyone else. Matthew five forty five declares this. It says, he, meaning God, causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. What's that saying? Simply put, good days and bad days come to us all. Good days and bad days come to all of us, no matter who we are, where we're at, what we're doing. And if you've ever attended a funeral service or a memorial service, we've all heard that part of the service text quoted, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I believe David wrote that because he knew we as human beings have a fear of the unknown, especially when it comes to death. But the problem is we all have to face it. Do you realize that? We all have to face death. Many of you probably keep a calendar book. My wife keeps a calendar book that keeps me on track for sure, keeps us organized, and we being ministers, our calendar probably looks a little different than yours. It has probably a lot of similar things, doctor's appointments, dentist appointments. We've got wedding dates scheduled on our calendars for weddings we're going to perform, work nights at the church. We've got board meetings. We've got counseling meetings. But with all that said, there is one appointment that each one of us will all have. One appointment that every one of us will have, and that is with death. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Another translation puts it, Everyone must die once, and after that be judged by God. Everyone must must die once, but then after that be judged by God. Wouldn't it be great if we could tweak that uh, verse a little bit? Wouldn't it be great if we could put a new word in the beginning like nearly everyone or some people? It doesn't work that way. We all have that date on our calendar. I love what it says in Psalms 90 verse 12. The Psalm says, psalmist says, teach us how short our lives really are so that we may be wise. Teach us how short our lives really are so that we may be wise and use wisdom. I would say most of us, are using wisdom when we say exercise is good. I would say exercise is great for all of us, even though most of us don't want to exercise. Amen? Cheryl and I try to walk three miles a day when we can, and I am pretty sure that probably adds a few extra heartbeats to our life. But let me say this, uh, in the end, there's still an end. You realize that? In the end, there's still an end. The Bible says, uh, the Bible doesn't say this, there's a saying out there that says a body in motion stays in motion. Not exactly true, not 100% true, because eventually these bodies that are in motion are no longer going to be in motion. We all have to face death. But if you're a believer, guess what? You don't have to face it with fear. You don't at all have to face death with fear. I heard about two men, one was named Carl, the other name was Sam. Uh, his name was Sam and they were both baseball fanatics. They loved the game of baseball so much that they made a deal with each other. Uh, when one of them dies, the first one dies, when he gets to heaven, he's going to try to find his way back here to let the other know if there's baseball in heaven. Well, sad to say, Sam passes away one evening in his sleep. A few nights later, Carl's at home by himself and he hears a voice. And he says, Sam, is that you? And Sam says, uh, yeah, it's me. Uh, Carl gets so excited. He says, wow, this is amazing, but I'm dying to know, is there baseball in heaven? Well, Sam says, well, I've got good news and bad news. He says, the good news is there is baseball in heaven. But the bad news, Carl, is you're pitching tomorrow night. (laughs) Back to the scripture. David started out as a shepherd leading sheep long before God called him to be a king. He started out leading those sheep long before god called him to lead his own people but it was in that time of training being with the sheep that david learned life lessons david learned in preparation for life and the life hereafter from the sheep and as i said a couple uh sundays ago a shepherd had to constantly be moving his sheep from pasture to pasture so they wouldn't overgraze that pasture wouldn't overuse that pasture Wouldn't turn it into a barren wasteland because sheep would stay there until they ate it down to the ground, ate it down to the dirt. So the shepherd, with his wisdom, would lead the sheep, especially in the summer seasons when the grass was dried up by the hot sun, would lead them from the lowlands up into the highlands, into the mountains where it was cooler, where it was better, where the grass was greener. I've been using uh, parts of Philip Keller's book in this whole series. He wrote a book called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. And he says this, Every mountain has its valleys. Its sides are scarred by deep ravines and gulches. And the best route to the top is always through these valleys. He says the shepherd leads his flock gently but persistently up the paths that wind through the dark valleys. Think about in our country. Think about the highways and the roadways that are cut through sides of mountains. Anybody ever been in the hills of Tennessee? Sometimes you're down there and you can see where they have literally blasted to the ma- through the mountainside and put a highway through the mountainside. It's amazing. They blasted it away. Blasted it away. No one, Everyone knows that you couldn't just go up that mountain and straight down. It'd be impossible. The grade up would be too steep. The grade down would be too steep. It would be impossible. So the only way to higher ground sometimes is through the valley. But in a valley... The shepherd and his sheep. They had to watch out for dangers. They had to watch out for flooding rivers, avalanches, falling rocks, deep ravines, storms, predators, dangers of all kinds. And some of those dangers were bad enough to cause the death of the sheep. But often the best path to get to the top of the mountain, to greener grass, was through the valley. Remember, I'm talking about us as being the sheep of God's pasture. Sometimes the best way to the top of the mountain is to go through the valley. How many have found that sometimes our greatest blessings in life come after a time of some of our deepest darkest valleys in life? Amen. Anybody ever experienced that? There are some shepherds, definitely not the shepherd that the 23rd Psalm is talking about, but there are some shepherds that will not make this trip. Will not make that journey because it's too dangerous. Too many wild animals, too many narrow trails, too many dark valleys. So they choose to stay on, stay on the barren ground and just take their chances. As I said, that's not the good shepherd described in the 23rd Psalm uh, at all. Not at all. He knows the path because he's been up that path before. That shepherd, the good shepherd, is prepared. Think about the greatest shepherd of all, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He walked that trail on his way to Calvary. Jesus walked that narrow, fearful trail on his way to Calvary. Do you think he was afraid? Yes, he was afraid. He was the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet he was afraid. If you remember, Mark 14, 35 says, going a little further, he fell to the ground. Jesus fell to the ground, and he prayed that if it be possible, the hour might pass from him. Imagine this for a minute. Jesus, flat on the ground, His face in the dirt, His hands maybe grasping handfuls of grass. What's that tell me? It tells me that it's okay to be afraid. But what Jesus did, He turned that fear over to God, His Father, in prayer. If you're ever in a fearful situation, the best thing you can do is turn that fearful situation over to your Father. Over to your Father God in prayer. And Jesus is never going to make fun of you for going through whatever fearful valley you're going through and the way you react to it at all. And you know why? He's not going to say, get up and walk it off. And you know why? Because he's been there, done that. Because he's been there and said, Lord, if this cup could pass from me, let it pass. God didn't really let it pass. God didn't take him out of the storm he was about to face. But do you know what he did do? God took away his fear of the storm. God may not take away your storm right now. We have to be honest. God may not take you out of the storm you're in, but I guarantee if you'll trust him, he'll take the fear away. He'll take the fear away. You can have confidence in him. And the truth is we're all walking through the valley of the shadow of death every day from the time we're born until the time we die. And the good news about our good shepherd is he never takes or leads his sheep anywhere he's not already been before. He's already been there. He's already done that. He's already seen that. He's already prepared that. He's already ready for that. Our job is just to trust Him. Our job is to know without a shadow of a doubt that our shepherd knows what's best for us even when it doesn't make sense. Our shepherd knows what's best for me even though it doesn't look right. That's why we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. And did you know the verbiage of this uh, part of the text? The name of the valley, it's not just the valley of death. It's the valley of the shadow of death. That's on purpose. There's a big difference in the valley of death and the shadow of death. A shadow is just an image without any substance when you break it down. It's an image without any substance. And today the good news is if you are a child of God, we don't really have to face death. We face the shadow of death. Did you hear me? We don't really have to face literal death. We face, yes, we're going to die in these physical bodies, but that's not the end. Amen? We don't have to face death. We face the shadow of death. A man by the name of Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse was a great Presbyterian preacher. One day his wife died tragically in an accident while his children were still young. He was driving his children to his wife's funeral when they came to a stoplight. And as they came to that stoplight, a huge truck pulled up beside them and cast its huge shadow over their car. Uh, Barnhouse, seizing the moment to teach his kids something, looked at his children and said, kids, look at that truck and look at the shadow. Now, which would you rather be run over by, the truck or its shadow? His youngest little boy spoke up and said, the shadow, of course, daddy, because everyone knows that a shadow can't hurt anybody. Listen to what Dr. Barnhouse said. He said, kids, I want you to remember something. Death is a truck, but the only thing that will ever touch you is its shadow because the truck ran over the Lord Jesus Christ, and the only thing left of that truck was its shadow. Death is just a shadow of its former self because of the crucifixion and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's a shadow. Jesus has overcome death. Jesus has overcome death, and on top of that, given us a promise of eternal life. That's why David said, when it came to death, I will fear no evil. I believe David, with all the courage it took to stand there, he said, "I will fear no evil, for the Lord is with me. You are, while, you are with me." Do you realize in the first three verses, David is speaking in the third person, He's talking about the shepherd. He's saying words like the Lord is. He makes me, He leads me, He guides me. But here in the fourth verse, he turned, fourth verse, he turned things around. He switches things up, and he's not talking about the shepherd anymore. He's talking to the shepherd. All of a sudden, it isn't about this God that's out there. It's a God that's here right now. And he said, I will fear no evil because you, Lord God, are with me. God, I'm walking through some tough times, but I'm not going to fear because you're with me every step of the way. And I I believe the reason David said that was because he had the experience of a shepherd. He had the experience of a shepherd that knew that sheep never go through valleys alone. The shepherd's with them. They never go through deep, dark valleys and dark places alone because a good shepherd is always there. I would say even that sheep are better off in the valley with the shepherd than they are on the mountaintop without the shepherd. Think about that. Wherever you're at, you're better off with the shepherd at your side. Amen? The shepherd leading you, guiding you, and us following him. One of my favorite passages in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2, God makes a promise. And this isn't just for me, it's for every one of us. Because we're going to pass through some waters, we're going to pass through some hard times and some troubles. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flame scorch you. How many know those are comforting words when you get yourself in a bind or when you get in trouble and in a bind? You might be facing death today. Maybe you've got a diagnosis that the doctor can't do anymore. Let me tell you, you're not facing that death alone. The Lord is with you. You might be facing unemployment. Maybe you've lost your job. You're not facing that unemployment alone. The Lord is with you. You might be facing a broken marriage, marital struggles today. You're not alone. The Lord is with you. Yeah, your family, your own family might turn against you. The Lord never will. Your own good friends sometimes will hurt you, betray you. The Lord never will. And in a crowd like this, there might be somebody here and probably is someone here. Even though you're amongst a lot of us this morning, you still feel alone inside for some reason. Let me just comfort you today. Let me let you know that you're not alone. The Lord is with you right now. Whatever you're going through, He's already at the finish line before you get there. And He's going to take care of you if you're just trusting. But David closes giving another reason why he has no fear. And it's in the very last part of the verse four. He said, it's because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, a lot of people put that rod and staff and think it's just one thing. A lot of times you'll see a carving or a statue or a picture of a shepherd and he's only, he only has one or the other, either the rod in his hand or the staff in his hand. But do you know, he carried both. He carried both a rod and a staff and that rod was actually a weapon for protection. I brought this little club along with me because, in fact, this was a lot of times what a rod would look like. Some of us get this picture of a really long rod. It usually, a lot of times, wasn't. It was as short as this. It was like a baton. He would fight against the enemies, trying to come against his sheep, maybe even against him. Um, It was a symbol of strength and power. This became an extension of his right arm, and when he saw an enemy coming, he would raise that rod and fight off the enemy attackers. The sheep were comforted when they saw the rod in the shepherd's hand because they knew that that rod, and with that rod, the shepherd would guard them. Amen? He would use that against the wolves, the lions, the bears, the coyotes, the poisonous snakes, whatever it would take. That shepherd would have the rod in his right hand and would fight off the attackers. It was a symbol of his strength and power. You realize in the Bible the rod was a strength was a symbol of god's strength and power strength and judgment actually remember when god called moses to go into pharaoh's court and remember when the sorcerers were already there and they had laid down their rods and they all became vipers they all became snakes moses comes in god tells him to lay down his rod and his rod i don't know how big it was then but when it turned into a snake it became a snake big enough to eat all three of the sorcerers snakes amen So the rod, what I'm saying, is in the Old Testament and the New, is a symbol of God's strength and God's power. So why would a rod comfort the sheep? I think whenever those sheep would see that rod in the shepherd's hand, they would realize, hey, I don't have to worry. Because whatever attackers come my way, the shepherd's going to guard me with that rod. He's going to take care of business. But the shepherd also had another thing in his hand, the staff. The rod was there to guard the sheep. The staff was there to guide the sheep. The rod was there to protect the sheep. The staff was there to guide the sheep. Think about this staff. Look at the hook here. This hook, and I don't know if this is the right size of a real staff or not, but you'll get the idea today. But a real shepherd's hook would be big enough to be able to put around a little lamb's body and pull it to safety. It would also be big enough to put around the head of a larger sheep and pull it to safety. If there was a sheep out there that fell into a ditch, fell into a hole, fell into a ravine, the shepherd could reach down and get a hold of that sheep and pull it up. Another thing a shepherd could do with this little crook was when a baby lamb would be born, that shepherd, instead of taking and touching that lamb, which might cause its mother to refuse the lamb, would reach with his little hook and move the lamb over to the mother. I thought that was pretty fantastic so that she wouldn't reject the little lamb. The shepherd would use this staff to minister to the needs of his sheep. Whenever a sheep would get stuck in thorns, the shepherd didn't have to wade into those thorns. He would just reach into those thorns and rescue the sheep. When the sheep would fall into waters... I talked a few weeks ago how their wool, when it gets wet, would cause them to sink like a rock. Well, he could dip in and he could pull them out to safety. It was also used to guide the sheep. When a shepherd would be leading his sheep down a treacherous path, maybe a narrow path along a cliff, he could take the staff and the point of the staff. And he could nudge his sheep or he could put it against their shoulder and keep them on track. And we also said that many sheep sometimes have a tendency to wander. Amen? And when the shepherd would see that sheep wandering, what would he do? Get it by the neck, pull it back to the fold. Amen? There was something very comforting about the sheep when they could look at the shepherd. He had a rod in his right hand and he had a staff in his left. He knew that that rod was going to protect him. And he knew that that uh, staff was going to guide him, direct him. So this morning, whatever you're facing... And maybe your life is good and grand today and that's awesome, but maybe tomorrow it won't be. And I pray that this message will come back to you in a very visual way that you will realize that no matter how deep the waters are, no matter how big the enemy is, that you've got a shepherd up in heaven that's standing there with a rod in his hand and a staff at his side. Guarding you and protecting you and not letting you be uh, lost. Not letting you be defeated. How many times we... How many of us need to be reminded of that? How many times do we go through our battles and we think, Lord, where are you? You're a million miles away, and he's not. He's right there by our side with the rod and with the staff. So I pray the next time you run into any trouble, you're going to visualize me up here. I'm definitely not a shepherd. Don't know much about a shepherd. But look beyond me and look to the greatest shepherd that God ever gave, the shepherd Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who is with us today and tomorrow and forever. Amen? (laughs) Because God is that kind of God. And do you know that shepherd was determined to get his sheep through those dangerous dark valleys to the mountaintop? Do you realize your shepherd today is determined to get you to the top of your mountain, whatever it might be? When those dangerous attacks come, be at peace. To know that your shepherd carries that rod, carries that staff in his hand. And the great truth is, if you walk with God through life, I promise you, He'll walk with you through death. What's that tell us? Neither in death nor life do we have to be afraid. We don't have to have any fear. If the Lord is your shepherd and you're His sheep, we don't have to fear. So the big question is, do you know the shepherd? Do you know this shepherd I'm talking about? Do you know this shepherd described in the 23rd Psalm? I heard an old story about a king one time that had a court jester who entertained him marvelously. He loved his court jester. One day he said to the court jester, he said, jester, uh, you are the biggest fool I know. He extended to him his royal scepter. He said, court jester, you are the biggest fool I know. Keep this scepter until you find a bigger fool than yourself. For years, the court jester kept the uh, royal scepter of the king. Then the days came when the king was about to die, found himself on his deathbed, never to rise again. He called for his court jester to be at his side. And he said, court jester, I'm going on a long journey, never again to return. The court jester said, sir, what preparations have you made for this long journey? The king shook his head and said, alas, I've made none. In that moment, the jester extended to the king his scepter, and he said, here, sir, you are a bigger fool than I. You are a bigger fool than I. Let me ask you this morning, have you made a plan for your eternity? Have you settled that plan with God for your eternity? Have you invited Jesus Christ, the shepherd I'm describing, about to truly be? Not just in name, not just in word, but in heart. Be your true shepherd. Have you invited Him into your life? Could you stand to your feet this morning? I don't know what valleys that, or pathways that you're going to have to follow or go through. I don't know that. But I do know this from knowing the shepherd. He'll be with you. He's here to protect you. He's here to provide for you. He's here to bring you through whatever you're going through. You know, I've been with a lot of people in their last hours, their final hours. That's my job. Part of my job as a pastor. And what I've found is most people in their final hours have one fear, and that's being alone. They want their loved ones around them. They want their friends and family by their side. But this death I'm talking about is a journey that you can't even take with your spouse. This valley of the shadow of death is a valley that you have to walk down by yourself. When I say by yourself, you're not alone because the shepherd's with you. Or the shepherd wants to be with you. And he's the shepherd I'm talking about that sticks closer than any brother. Amen? He says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And if you haven't claimed Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, if you haven't claimed Jesus as your good shepherd to trust Him to lead you through the deep, dark, unknown valleys of life, the good news is you can do that right now today. We have the opportunity to right things that are wrong, to turn toward Him, our shepherd. And some of you are probably thinking, as I did for a long time, God, I've done way too much for this shepherd to ever, I've done too much wrong. God, for this shepherd to ever love me. No, this shepherd will love you. This shepherd loves his sheep even though he knows his sheep are sinful. He laid down his life for the sheep. He loves us with a love that did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. You realize he became sin for us. He went to a cross, brutally died upon a cross, and rose again so that you and I can raise into a new life, so that we can have a new start, we can have forgiveness doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. The Bible says that they that call upon the name of the Lord shall be, will be saved. That's a promise. They that call upon the name of the Lord. So if you're here today, all you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. You don't even have to get all the words right because I guarantee you God is looking at your heart a lot more than He's hearing your words. All He wants to see is that heart that says, Hey, I'm a sheep without a shepherd. I need a shepherd. I need a Savior. I need a Lord. And I need a King. So He makes it that easy. But you and I have a part to play. Let me just tell you, if you've never made a commitment, a real commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ... It will change your life for eternity. Will everything be perfect? No, not until we get there. But it will change your life for eternity. Because Jesus will step in. That same shepherd will step into your life that I've been talking about today. Could we all pray this together with every head bowed, every eye closed? Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me and He rose again so I could live for You. Fill me with Your Spirit so I could follow You for the rest of my life. Thank You for my new life. Today I give You my life in Jesus' name. Lord God, I thank You for Your loving care that leads, guides, and provides for each one of us. Whether we recognize it or not, Lord God, You've been by our side. Lord, there is no shepherd like You that cares so much about every detail of our lives. Lord, may all of us surrender our lives over to You more than we've ever surrendered before. I pray that today would truly be a new day in the lives of hearts and minds here today and forever. And may we keep our eyes upon You, the great shepherd of our faith to lead us every step of the way. And if you agree with that prayer, could you just say amen with me? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's give the God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah to the name of Jesus. He's worth it all. God bless you all. Go out and follow your shepherd today and forever. Bless you all.